NHL teammates for 13 seasons. Now back together as on-air teammates. You are listening to the Cass and Juice podcast. Hockey, life, and other stuff. Here are your hosts, Ryan Kessler and Kevin Bieksa. Hey guys, Kevin Bieksa here. Uh, Cass and Juice podcast for episode 13 now. That's a quick 13, eh, Cass? Oh, yeah. And obviously, Kess is the, the co-host. You, he is the new 2010 Little Caesars AAA head coach for next season. Tryouts are when, Kess? March 24th, Garden City Ice Arena. Who are you going to model your coaching style after? I'm going to take the best parts of each coach and leave out the worst. About that, <laughs> like I really like the way Crawford and Torts ran the bench. I like the way Torts cared about you as a player. You know, like AV, I just thought was an all-around good coach. You know, yeah, go from there. Thank God you elaborated there. So that was just a chicken shit answer at first. Okay. Uh, what does that mean? No, I just said, thank God you elaborated. Because at first you're like, ah, oh, I'm just going to take the best parts. <laughs> and I thought that was all you had. Let's talk a little bit trade deadline today. It yep. happened a couple, a couple days ago. And, and most guys have already played their first games with their new teams and there's been some some cool changes. There's been <clears throat> more changes than we thought, right? Did you think there'll be that many trades? I did not know. I was talking to the uh, producer on Sportsnet when I was supposed to go up there, and and I kind of had like a ten minute conversation about how the uh, well, I I, th- I still think the the seller cap ruins that day. Remember back in the day when there was just countless and countless trades, and all the big market teams loaded up, and it uh it made the deadline fun. And I thought the the cap took a little bit away from that but not this year no there was there was mid 20 i think the mid 20s was was the trade count with a little bit before but you're right the salary cap has has made the trade deadline challenging because draft picks are more important than ever it's more important to develop your guys in the system and bring them up because you only have so much money to go around and when you got Guys like you know Mitch Martyr and Matthews, guys making ten mil each. There's twenty mil off your cap, so <laughs> you need yeah. some of the young guys to come in on entry levels and play, right? And yeah, yeah. saying that, and- you know, it puts a lot of pressure on those young guys when uh, you know before they start making the big money. Because I don't even think they know that Toronto was kind of in a win now when they were making seven, eight, fifty, a hundred thousand, and then all of a sudden. They're making ten million. They're the same player, but there goes nine million off the top, right? Yeah, so per we'll player. Yeah, you're a capologist now. Look, like just toss the numbers at me. I got. Uh, Let's also talk about David Errors. Like I, I, I'm a little bit sick of this. I'm a little bit sick of how much we, I've had to talk because I was. Thanks for asking me what I did last week, but I was... Uh, no, I, I already knew. I saw it. you all over TV. I think everybody listening saw you everywhere. No one needs to know where you are. They already know. It's like, oh, Kevin's on TV again. Shocker. <laughs> like, look, he's in front of a mic. Oh, look at here. Oh, he's here. Oh, he's on Sportsnet. Oh, he's on surfing uh, ice hockey. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it because I'm sick of seeing myself out there. So I can't imagine like you're probably just sick of listening to me. And then you got to talk to me for an hour today. Sorry. Yeah. About that. No, it's, it's all good. I like seeing your face. But David, David Ayers, we'll talk about that situation. And that's going to actually bring us nicely into our guest this week. 
Jacob Slavin, he's a Carolina Hurricanes defenseman. He's a he's a big guy, six foot three, twenty five years old in the prime of his career. This guy's a stud. Just a growing boy. Eats a lot. <laughs> and he's gonna have a little insight on that emergency emergency backup situation there. I kind of we always have guests that have something to do with the big stories. We're smart like that, don't you think? I mean, we when did we get Slavin a month ago? We're like, <laughs> actually, actually, I t- I talked to him last night. Like, we literally haven't had him booked for 24 hours yet, so it's it's a little bit of a last minute thing. But I think he's he's a guy that had a really good All Star game. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I, we wanted him at some point, but this whole David Ersing has just made him his perspective so much interesting. Yeah, and it helps that he's a, a KO Sports client too. Never met a bad KO Sports client, so we'll uh, we got a good one here. So let's get going. Here we go. So, Cass, what did you think about the trade deadline? There was quite a few moves, uh, a lot more than I thought. What was your kind of uh, opinion from from home watching it on TV? I, I didn't quite watch it on TV. I was, I was all around the house, but uh, I was following it through uh, <clears throat> through my phone, and, and you'd get the alerts. And a couple surprised me. One being Patty Marlowe, and then once Marlowe moved, I thought Thornton was going to move. Too, in which I heard he was kind of pissed that he, he didn't get moved to a contender, which, you know, being his age and, and want, never won a cup, you think he, that the Sharks would have moved him. But other than that, how about you? It's interesting. Like, a couple moves were, were bizarre, right? Like, to me, the Simmons to Buffalo move we talked about was kind of a little bit strange in the fact that Buffalo was like six points out. doesn't really look like they're going to make the playoffs. And I know moving Simmons, maybe they're just looking for the future. You know, it, it's, it's an element that they needed in Buffalo. The Leonard move to Vegas is also bizarre because you got Flurry there. Flurry seems like he's in great shape. You have, you know, Subban at, uh, as the number two. And then- well, with uh, with with Vegas, did Flurry get hurt last year? Was he banged up? Yeah, that's part of it. I'm sure they just want a little bit of depth and goal to make a, a run. But so you don't mind it? You don't mind that trade? I don't mind it at all. I think uh, I think it's a good move, especially uh, if Fleury goes down again. He, he is getting older. What is he, 36 now? So 35, 34 maybe. That's ancient. Um, <laughs> yeah, nowadays it's ancient. And bringing a, a proven NHL starter, and then you also have Subban as a uh, – as a backup as well, a backup backup. I, I don't know. He's move, gone. But he's gone in exchange. So he went the other oh, way. Oh, he is. He went the other way. So yeah, that is, that is a, uh, a strange move. I, Apparently they have two really good goalies in the system there though. Okay. Okay. That makes sense then. But to be honest, the uh, Simmons one is bizarre. Maybe the GM was just feeling heat from his owner. I don't know. Um, but that one's strange. Is he, is he up after this year? Simmons? No, I think he's got another year. He's got another year. But how about this one? This one to me is the most bizarre move. And you know what? You're not, you're not even going to know this guy. You've probably played against him like 15 times and you wouldn't even know him. A guy named Barkley Goodriff or Goodrow, sorry. He went from San Jose to Tampa for a first round pick. Yes. What the hell is that? He was like a fourth liner, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea. He's exactly who he's a fourth line kind of setterman utility guy he went to and granted it's gonna be tampa's first round pick is gonna be a late first rounder but him and a third rounder went to tampa for 
freaking first round pick and something extra. Like that is just a team like Tampa that you're willing to give up your first rounder for a fourth line utility player. And to be honest, their fourth line is pretty solid. I don't, I don't understand why you would trade for a fourth line center unless it was Tampa saw Pittsburgh and Washington load up and they're like, Oh, I got to do something. And then San Jose, San Jose steals a first round pick. I don't like the move at all. What about, uh, well, Philly, Philly brings in Graner and Tomer. So two yeah. fourth, fourth line centermen, right? And I know Graner, you, we play with him in Anaheim. He can play up and down the lineup too. He's yeah. Got, he's got 17 I, I, goals this year. Yeah. I love Graner. He, he can play, he can play in your first line. He can play in your fourth line. And he's, uh, he has one of those games that contributes every line that he plays on. So I didn't mind that with Tomer. I mean, he's just, a, a fourth, third line guy that uh, that works hard. Everybody knows what you're going to get out of Tomer, but to pick up both those guys is strange to me, especially when you have, you know, Couturier and, and uh, uh, Hayes on the team too. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. What about Peugeot? You, you probably don't know much of him. Just we played against him just a few times, but he comes in his first game in the aisle, aisle against the Rangers. Obviously, you know about the big rivalry there comes in and he fights the first he's a little skill centerman he comes in and he fights on truba after the big hit at troops throws like that i love that you think i don't know who guys are like you don't okay like i know who peugeot is i might not be able to say his fucking name but i know who he is like he's just this little tiny water bug that skates across the ice and scores goals and he's having a good year like so this is what Kessel would do. Like whenever there was the uh, we play a team, especially in the East, and there's like a pre scout report on the board, and Kess would walk over it every time. He'd be like, "Don't know him, don't know him, don't know him, don't care." <laughs> you do that shit all the time. <laughs> no? I don't wrong. remember that, but I probably did it. That that would uh, just me being funny. But honestly, I didn't know the East. Just like guys in the East probably didn't know the West. It no, is what it is. You never see that. You never see the East. How how am I supposed to know a guy that just gets called up? Yeah, you you don't know any. What about this guy Kovalchuk? I don't know if you heard of him before. He went to Washington <laughs> to play with his buddy Ovechkin. Do you think he's going to help at all, or that was just a you know bring bring two three Russians together and see what happens? I I, I like the idea. I think you go back to the Red Wings back when they had the Russian five and make it kind of. Uh, it changed the NHL a bit, which with uh, puck possession and, and the way they played the game, I think it's an interesting uh, thing to try. I don't know if it's going to work, um, but he's he was he found a home in Montreal. Let's see if he can continue it in, in Washington. You know, the winners for me were Edmonton and Carolina. Edmonton brought in your boy from Detroit, Double A, uh, Tyler Ennis, and Mike Green, who just got. Heard and Mike Green's out three to four weeks now with an MCL sprain. That's that's tough luck, but that makes their team, uh, you know, solidifies things a little bit. And then Carolina brought in Brady Shea, Vat, and and Trocheck. You like those those two teams' moves? Like pretty aggressive. Yeah, I, especially Edmonton. I think might be the two fastest guys in the league, arguably. Double um, A and uh, McDavid, <laughs> and you put put those guys flying at you as a D man. Kevin, you're probably like, oh shit, here we go. 
get those two guys at top speed flying at you. You're gonna you just put a little body, one. put a little body on them, and they'll go wide. And then you let them go all the way around the net, and then somebody blows them up on the back check. Done. Can't hit what you can't catch. <laughs> <laughs> you'd you'd have your stick in between us growing anyways, all the way up the ice, so I wouldn't have to worry about him being at full speed. McDavid can't skate if you if you uh, get in front of him and you put your stick between his legs. He can't cross over. Why not? I know I can't skate with them, so that's the only way I would defend them. Get in his way. Who in the NHL history has had their stick between other players' legs more than you? You and Craig Ludwig, probably. Who the fuck is Craig Ludwig? Exactly. You don't know him either. <laughs> <laughs> Darian Hatcher. You know Darian Hatcher. Yeah, right? I do. Yeah. Cross check. Kess loses a face off. Cross check slash stick between the legs. Standard. Face off's a battle. I don't care what you say. Face-off's like a battle. Face-off's like in front of the net. D-men are allowed to cross-check, stick, put their stick between your legs, like do all that shit. I can do it during a face-off. The problem is no one does it anymore. It's like, oh, hey, how's it going? How was your summer? Good to see you. Oh, yeah? You want to win the draw? Go ahead. Just let me win the next one. <laughs> I love pro just provoking you. I, I loved every second of it. So, Kess, uh, so a couple days following trade deadline, tell the, the listeners, like what, what it's like when a new guy comes into the locker room, usually like the awkward, there's a little bit awkward. There's a little bit, you know, feeling out, trying to get acclimated and, and get to know everybody and then get on the ice and see kind of where you fit in. Like, how was your, your experience? You know, with you guys? I think it's different. I, I, I think we've both been through trade deadlines where we're buyers and we're sellers. And then there's times where you, the team doesn't do anything. Then you have a, the, the token meeting with the GM where you're like, we trust in you guys. It's like, okay, we understand you can make a deal out of the deadline. So you trust <laughs> us. You like, I like our group. <laughs> is, that, is that what you think when no one used to come in and say, hey, this is our group. We're going down with this group. You think you just couldn't get a deal done? Uh, I don't know. We should have him on here and ask him. I mean, when I guess I asked the question with his name and it's tough for you to answer, right? Yeah. But like GMs, <laughs> GMs in general. You think when Bob Murray comes in and, oh, wait, he never came in. <laughs> he he came in. He, he didn't come in when you were there, though. There's a couple times where he came in and just ripped us. Those are nice, but for, for but, three, three years, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't come in for the three years. But he was more of a. He always assembled good teams. I don't think he really did too many deadline deals. Well, Perron the one year, which was was good. Deadline time. deals. He's made the most deadline deals of anyone. Like who? Are you serious? Did he bring in Perron at the deadline the one year? He's he's made he's point? made the most deadline deal trades. And I might be wrong, but I'm sure there's a stat out there that Anaheim Ducks have made the most trades within the last ten years on deadline day. Ever okay. since he well, took over. They made like five this year, so that, that proves your point right there. Six. Six trades this year. Well, look at you stats guy. Yeah, you know, I do follow hockey once in a while. Well, you're sitting around in fucking Detroit all day with nothing to do. So, yeah, you're just looking at... Yeah, Detroit. but to get back to your fucking question... Um, <laughs> Language. <laughs> yeah, to get back to your question... We'll cut that. To get back to your question, when you're buyers and you bring a guy in and you don't give up a roster player and you bring a guy in, yeah, it's awkward, but you're excited to have him, right? Yeah. When you're a seller and you, and you trade away a buddy... Or, you know, a teammate doesn't even, you know, we're all buddies on teams, but it doesn't have to be like a really good friend. When you trade away a teammate that's a part of your part of your team and sometimes a part of your line or a deep, deep pairing, 
it sucks. And you bring in a guy, you kind of have like this, I don't know, chip on your shoulder, maybe a bit that, you know what, like, not I, hate that I, I, I hate your guts because yeah. my buddy's gone now and you're here. That kind yeah, of but yeah, but you, you get over it and, and all, all hockey guys are good guys. There's very few bad guys in the hockey world. And, um, I don't, like I said, there's difference. If you're a buyer, it's, it's good sometimes. And then on, on the flip side, it, it sucks. I mean, one example is seeing a guy like Cogs go, um, line mate. I think we picked up Devin Shore. Devin's a great guy. Really, really nice guy, like super personable. I don't have a bad thing to say about him, but you know, when you trade Cogliano, who was a good friend and a line mate for Devin, it, it was hard to take. Oh yeah. The Cogs was, I, I was, that was my first year I didn't play and I was kind of heartbroken to see Cogs go. I think everybody was right. He was, he was such a good room guy. People, people don't understand because in his interviews, he was really quiet and reserved, but he was, he was the ultimate room guy. He would say those little chirps or little jokes, little like witty comments under his breath. And the whole room would just stop and die laughing. Like he was always in the gym, always hanging out and they're like, just love, love being at the rink. Like everyone who's ever played with Cogs knows what I'm talking about. He's, he's never seen a softball. I think he stole my softball from uh, Anaheim. He rolled on this softball. I, I get, where's my softball? Cogs would be in the gym. He'd steal my softball, just rolling out. It's like a, a deep roller, a softball. So you roll out your hips and your groins with the softball, and Cogs would just be molesting the thing. You know what I saw? Cogs would walk around with a Sharpie and he would just go and people are out of the room and just steal everyone's softballs and put seven Cogliano on them. Then he would hoard them underneath the stall. So it, was like, <laughs> it was like a dog almost. He had like 15 softballs with all Cogliano seven underneath his stall if you ever looked under there. <laughs> you know the time that he took uh, Lovejoy's candle? <laughs> Lovejoy had a candle in his stall and uh, Cogs went and took it <laughs> Love, I, I, you would have thought he stole a million dollars from him. He's like, who stole my candle? Who has my candle? And Cogs is, you know, just doing his tape, like putting wax on his tape. <laughs> you know, when Cogs gets that face, like, I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I, I love that Paris and Cogs are together again. Those two guys, the way they go back and forth, just, just thinking about it makes me chuckle. I know. So it just kind of proves the point of look how long we just talked about cogs. Like it proves the point when a guy like that leaves your locker room, it puts a dent in you for sure. It affects you. Yeah. So part part yeah. of the part of the business, trade deadlines tough. It's it's entertaining, I know, for the fans and people around that want to see tra trades done and moves made, but the human element of it is that guys leave, friendships, you know, are put on hold. People have to move their families and their pets and everything. So Glad it's over for their sake. And uh, just like trade deadline, we'll move on here to uh, David Ayers. Remember that guy? Or is it, is uh, it over with now? Uh, let's do it. Let's get it over with. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how I feel right now. Let's just get, <laughs> let's get this talk with David Ayers over with. And, yeah. and our, our guest coming up, Jacob Slavin, is going to have a pretty rare perspective because he was, he was not only – the guy that fell on top of Reimer to get him injured, but then he he was there the whole way. I, I'm pretty he sure was, he was he was the reason for the first goal too. Just <laughs> ask David. <laughs> so yeah, can you believe that, that interview? Like, we'll, we'll, we'll ask Slavin about that interview, but that was pretty ridiculous. But, uh, uh, this this whole backup triple backup issue, like I always thought, 
if you if two of your roster goaltenders that get hurt during a game can't play, and I don't understand if if Reimer's injury was serious enough, he couldn't come back in. So I saw him running around the dressing room after. But if they can't continue, shouldn't you just have to dress somebody in your lineup and put them in goal? You you would think. Uh, I I just it's crazy to me that uh, a Zamboni driver can put on the gear like practice is one thing and even practice i find it a little awkward that just a random zamboni driver can go on the ice with, with nhl hockey players and play goal like i can understand like a trainer or like because in, in vancouver didn't we have we had zarno and then in anaheim we had uh matt brayfield and they would just go in, they'd just be a, a target and you shoot at his head. And, and we'd all laugh when people would shoot at his head. And yeah. then you, you have these guys and in Anaheim now and you have, they have an emergency guy too. So I just find it uh, weird that you can actually play an NHL game and, and sign a one day contract and get in there and have your 15 minutes of fame. Like think about a baseball, like you, you, you get a couple injuries in the in the bullpen and pitchers. You don't have a, a pitcher to put in, and you just go grab the guy who's selling cracker jacks in the stands and tell him to get in there. And no, you know what they do. You have to, you, you have to put in, but like it's happened before, where the the game goes to seventeen innings, and you put in a guy that like you put in the right fielder, and he'll just yeah. try to throw strikes. So they got to come up with a better solution. Yeah, that's great and everything, but I think. They should have thrown in Slavin and had him uh, slide all over the place. But instead, they they let this David Ayers, if that's how you say his name, come in net and, and save the day and beat the Leafs, which I think is funny. And then the next day, he was at practice with them. And it's like, oh, hey, guys, I just whooped your ass last night. But uh, I bet he had a little bit of swagger walking into that oh, locker room yeah. the next day, huh? Yeah. Just like, what's up? Hey, uh, hey, how's it going? Hey, you, hey, you, hey, Tavares, can I get a coffee, please? <laughs> just a, just a strut, just struts walking in. If I was the Leafs and I was Tavares or somebody like that, when he walked in, I just look at him and I go, "Hey, good job last night. Get the fuck out of here." Yeah, your dressing room's down the hall. <laughs> hey, beat it, beat it, all right? No, but uh, it, Leafs took it well, and there, it was good sportsmanship and everything. But there was such a, such an important game though it wasn't like it was a game in november or october that, that was a very important game for the playoff picture well remember that game and, and we'll see if it plays out in the end because it's usually one game right when we would miss playoffs by two points you think back throughout the season and where you let a couple games slip away and we'll see we'll see how that one plays out how sick hey, did carolina play in that third period though yeah unreal hey Tavares. Usually go high blocker there. What happened? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm kind of mad at myself for that first one because I know he always shoots high, but he like went five hole. Johnny never goes five hole, but I was screened. I was screened. Yeah. Settle, settle screened. down. Settle down, David. <laughs> Anyways, what a what a funny funny. It turned out well, and everyone's happy and laughing because his team won. But remember, like he let in his first two goals or out of two or three shots went in. And so can you imagine if he let in like eight goals out of 10 shots? Like it wouldn't be as funny. 
Like it wouldn't, people wouldn't be laughing about this. He wouldn't be going on all these interviews. Like people would be like, this is a disgrace to the NHL. Yeah, imagine if, if Toronto puts, puts together one of their best periods and they throw 20 shots, 15, 20 shots on them. You know, at least 10 are going in. At that point, you're Carolina, you just stack like two defensemen and errors right in front of the net. And just play by lay, lay down across the goal line and just move your leg up and down like you're doing leg lifts. And <laughs> you Goldberg him to the net, right? You just, t- you just tie him up to the net so he doesn't move. And then you just like stand a guy right in the middle so he can block him before him. Yeah, this is funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was chuckling when he got scored on and he just kind of looks at uh, Slavin in front of him and he's just like raises his hands up like why'd you scream me bro I had that one <laughs> it was good hopefully it's uh, the end of this I'm sure this will be kind of the last week that everyone's talking about him it's a good feel good story good for him I'm sure he's he's super pumped and he'll have memory forever his wife had some nice tweets that night I don't know if you saw any no I didn't but imagine your wife sitting in the stands and, and you're playing your first national hockey league game it's a it's a pretty cool story and it's something that you know everybody's going to be talking about for decades so it's uh it it was cool but i still believe the nhl has to do something about it like you got to dress a a d-man in there you got to throw on the pads you got to put someone other than an emergency goalie in there because it doesn't happen that often and i think you know what throw in slave and see how he does maybe he has a second career at least you're winning or, or losing with your roster. Like it's not contingent yeah. on what city you're in. And like, in, like think about if they're in Florida, who the hell's the backup third string backup in Florida? Like some, some alligator uh, capture, like some alligator. Well, in that the, that's where everybody goes and retires. So you're going to have to, you're going to have someone come out there with no mask on and just dust <laughs> off the pads, just some 75 year old dude and just backstop the Panthers. Let's try not to talk about this again for another couple of weeks, but his stick went to the Hockey Hall of Fame. So this is etched in history. Like this is never going to be forgotten. Good story, but uh, let's, let's move on. And our next uh, guest coming up, Jacob Slavin of the Carolina Hurricanes, he's going to give us his kind of unique perspective of, of how it all unfolded in the dressing room and on the bench and everything. So let's go talk to him now, Cass. All right, sounds good. You're listening to the Cass and Juice Podcast. Our next guest, he's the fourth rounder in 12 of the Carolina Hurricanes. And we all know that the fourth and fifth rounders are the best players usually that come out of the draft. He's got 33 points right now in 62 games. Pretty good. But listen to this, plus 27. Kess, you've never been that high in your career. Uh, he's the 2000... <laughs> no, no, no rebuttal, eh? I love it. It's he's true. It's 2020 NHL All-Star this year. And he went there and he decided, you know what? I'm just going to win the accuracy shooting and set a record of 9.5 seconds, which is the, uh, the modern day record since they went to five targets since 2012. So our guest, Jacob Slavin. Jacob, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Thanks for having me. That still sounds weird when you talk about the all-star stuff. So, um, But no, it was fun. What an intro. What an intro. Great job, Kevin. Well, it's nice when I have somebody like with some legit stats and not just a guy who was hurt all of his career, you know, like I could pump him because he's done stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. My Achilles hurt. I have to sit out for two years. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Jacob. So yeah, let's talk quickly about the all-star game, right? That was your first one. How, how nervous were you for that? The accuracy shooting? 
Oh my gosh. Um, I was, I was extremely nervous. I didn't know, uh, what, uh, event I was going to participate in, like leading up to the week. And I kept asking our PR guys, I was like, do you guys know what event I'm doing? <laughs> and I was just, I was crossing my fingers. It wasn't the fastest theater. Because, oh, that would have been, I would have blown a wheel or something. I was hoping to do the new one, um, where you shoot from up above. Cause it's like, all right, if you mess up, then you're not expected to be good at that one. Right. That one's just kind of fun and more for the fans and less of a skill. Um, but no, so, uh, uh, accuracy shooting, that was, it was, it was nerve wracking for sure. But, um, I was just happy I didn't have to go first. Does it make it easier that, uh, you can just scoop the pucks out of the pile now? Cause remember you used to have to get a pass from two guys. Yeah. And you can't just kind of flow through it. You just, yeah, no scooping. It definitely makes it easier. You line them up and then just, uh, uh, Eric Stahl was there and he was just like, man, I did this this morning. Just shoot as fast as you can. Don't worry about missing one. Just pick up the next puck and shoot again. But you got that terrible curve, so you can't even toe drag it out of the pile. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. I just kind of pick it up with the heel and slide it down. No, yeah, very straight curve. Not a not a shooter's curve. That's for sure. No, the, the joke about that, Cass, is he gave he, – he gave, I don't know if it's the stick he used or not, but he brought a stick and gave it to Cole because my son Cole is a huge, huge Carolina fan. So he ended up giving the stick and signing it for Cole. And I'm looking at this thing in the hotel room <laughs> after. I'm like – I go, what is this? <laughs> Just a shot. long too, right? Like the thing was over my head. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's pretty tall, but then, yeah, the blade, oh, uh, pretty, I mean, pretty, very straight, just classic. Uh, I, well, I, me, growing up for me, it was the Zetterberg curve, right? For Easton, just the PM9. Yeah. And nice. so I haven't changed it much. Uh, no, no specialty to it, just nice and straight. It, it works, man. Hey, but I know you probably talked about this a lot, and Kess loves talking about the David Error story. So love it. Yeah. I mean, let's get from, going. But you got like you got the best perspective, right? Because you were there. So just tell us, like, what 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 was your reaction? Because uh, I was working the game in the Hockey Night Canada studio, and when that when he came in, guys were dying laughing. <laughs> like, oh man, dying laughing. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I well, first, first off, I'm I'm the one who got our first goal. They hurt, right? We're going trying to pick up a back checker on the way back, get in front of him, and then he cross checks me into uh, Reimer there, and I just hear Reimer go, "Oh," and I was like, "Oh, that's not good." <laughs> and uh, and then obviously when Raz comes out of the net and just gets uh, he got he got crushed by Clifford, steamrolled, eh? Oh, yeah, not pretty at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that uh, bench was kind of just like oh what's about to happen like just get up please and then obviously we're like nope all right Raz is out uh who's 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 what, what emergency goalie's coming in um but he came out and I don't know if you could uh see the look on Roddy's face when he came out uh oh, yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. And so that, that was great we showed down in uh in video the next day uh to Roddy he was just like I had faith in you guys but um no I mean we we knew as a team that it was going to be an interesting night the rest of the night but uh no first shift uh i think i was out there with him we were on the power play right and mm -hmm. the puck gets sent down the ice and the the other unit had started and he didn't come out of the net to stop the puck behind the net like easy rim and then there's one that kind of got chipped into a foot race and he came out and uh, i think it was hyman coming down on him and he made a sick play behind the net with the puck and we went down i remember that yeah uh, it was a great play yeah, oh, it, was a, it was a super sick play coming out of the net. And I was like, in my head, I'm chasing the puck back. I'm like, oh, don't get out of the net. Don't get out of the net. And <laughs> then he throws it behind. And we go down the ice and score. I was like, all right, all right, we'll see you. And then next shift out there, I was uh, I was on the ice with Pesh. And 
he hasn't had a shot on net yet. And so Pesh goes down in the corner. Tavares starts walking over the top of the circles. I'm like, I got to try to get out and block this. And he shoots it through, I think it was right under my skate, five hole, right? And it goes in. Yeah, and he, I just, he chirped you after the game. He's like, oh, I couldn't see that first shot. Like, I was screened. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I saw that, that was you, eh? Yep, yeah, that was me. I was like, oh, man. Apparently, I can't remember who it was on our team. They're just like, yeah, he, gave, he even gave you the hands up. Like, oh, come on, I saw get the hands up. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh, man. In his interview, he goes, I wish I could have had the first one back. I know Tavares never shoots low, but I was kind of screened. Yeah, I was kind of screened. I thought he was going high blocker. He only goes high blocker during practice. Yeah. Um, but I was, I like, my first instinct was to go back to him, just like, hey, man, like, no worries. It's all right. Just, just keep doing your thing. But little did I know I was the problem, to, of the reason of why it went in. So, uh, but no, it was, I mean, it was a great night overall. Um, just obviously, all the guys. Uh, we got the win, which was the best part. But then, just uh, in the locker room after, I mean, that guy's that guy's a legend in Carolina now. Yeah, talk about uh, how well you guys played in the third period. I I didn't I didn't tune in for the second, but I watched the third and just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, Roddy in between periods is just like we can't sit back and now we got to go go after it. And obviously, we uh, I think that's the best period of hockey we've probably played all year. And it's like, why can't we do that every night? But um, <laughs> no, we were, we played really well. We had guys that typically don't hit. They were out there throwing hits. And uh, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but we, we got to find that mojo again. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Be hoisting a cup if you, uh, if you guys play like that. Every oh, period. S- seriously, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, and then obviously David came up with some big saves. There's one on the power play there, or on the penalty kill, sorry, uh, with Hyman in the slot, right in the chest. And then, <laughs> I mean, just perfect ending to the game where he catches the puck from a long shot and just uh, just got a nice little save to end it with and got to keep the puck the whole time. So, no, it was, it was awesome, though. That's awesome. Uh, is it true that he said something like, oh, don't worry, guys. I, I'm going to settle down in the third period here. Yeah. And I got your guys' back. Did he really yeah. say that? <laughs> oh, yeah. We were, we were in the locker room talking, and uh, he was, we were just like saying, oh, just go out there, have fun. He's like, he was talking to some of the uh, – Reimer came in and was like kind of talking with him, and he's just like, oh, how's it going, man? He's like, man, I've been out on that ice so many times, but when there's fans in the stands, like it's harder to see the puck and like – it's just different. He's like, man, yeah. but don't, don't worry. I'll be all like, I got my nerves are out. Like I'm ready to go this third period. Let's do it. That kind of thing. And so oh, he was, he was pumped up. He, he was definitely taking in every, every bit of that experience. The rumor is you're actually a goalie or you've played some goal before. Don't you think like Kess and I are talking a little bit about this. Don't you think in the future, instead of having some random Zamboni guy from the team, don't you think the team, if they get two injuries in net, that somebody should just have to put on the equipment from the team on ice? I've I've ran through that scenario so many times in my head, like <laughs> late at night. Like, if what if that happens one day? I would be I would be first one to volunteer. I think to strap on the pads. Uh, I played goalie up until like the age of ten, so I, I'm pretty sure I don't think I'd be able to make a save in there unless it hit me. But uh, I would have a blast with it. But no, I I, I agree with that. We had the uh, Zingle was a, a scratch that game, and they were telling him if David got hurt, that he was probably going to be the next one in net. And so he, he was all excited too. Like, oh, that would have been awesome. I just wanted to get on like the bench and get a picture with the hat on. But uh, no, it was, it was a good yeah. So good what night. about uh, you guys going after huge celebration and everything? Brenda Moore does a speech that I think everybody saw. And like, I will, I'll be honest with you. 
I mean, I watch more of your games now because my son's the biggest fan ever. But after seeing like that and your speech with Brindamore's speech after, like this guy seems like a legit coach. Like, how is it playing with him in front of him? Oh, he's awesome. Like, obviously, we all know the type of player he was uh, when he played the game and just. Uh, I mean, I think the picture that comes to my mind, I think there's one where he's like leaning in for a face off and he's got just the most intense look on his face with his, his nose kind of, I think he had broken his nose recently in the picture, but uh, just, I mean that, but that's the type of mentality he has in coaching too. Uh, he's, he, he loves to win. He, he loves to compete. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just the the personal relationships he has with the guys and just how, how much he respects all the guys um, on and off the ice, I think is the biggest thing. And, I think that's what guys love about him. Jacob, I know Juice always complained about playing big minutes and, and uh, you know, struggling day in and day out and, and complaining about practicing. How do, you, how do you handle playing those big, tough minutes like you do? There's obviously when uh, Dougie, was, Dougie was with us, he was the one kind of having the, the tougher minutes there. So I kind of just, I didn't have to play power play. I just kind of PK and... Uh, just five on five hockey and so that was that was nice but obviously power play minutes are a little bit different you guys both know how those minutes go um actually running the point on the power play going back and forth across the blue line can get tiring uh those come ones, on uh, are you serious <laughs> <laughs> when you're sprinting back and forth from side to side and then you have to what do you mean like walking the walking the line no. and then throwing it back to the half wall no, Juice no. never did that. Juice never did that. He always had a cigarette on the blue line, just like floating back and forth and slowing things down. I understand I what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I understand. When, when the puck's down low and you have to be an out at the point on one side and then it switches oh, sides yeah. and then you have to sprint over and be an out at the point on the other side. Uh, but no, I mean, you, you guys you guys know the grind, uh, especially March coming up here. That's going to be that's gonna be a tough month with, uh, with playing. We play Tuesday, Thursday. Saturday, Sunday, pretty much the whole month. And so uh, I'll, I'll let you know after that month how, how the minutes are. <laughs> but uh, well, you, got some, no. you got a little bit of help, though, at the trade deadline, right? You got Brady Shea and you got Sammy Vatnin. So are they, are they there yet? Yeah, yeah. So I, I played with Shea uh, last game against Dallas. Um, and then Sammy, uh, he had, I think he blocked a shot a couple weeks ago and hurt his leg. And so he's still coming back to that. So once we get him back, uh, that'll definitely help as well. Um, but yeah, no, our, our blue line's taking a beating this year, but we, like you said, we got some, some really talented pieces at the deadline there. Yeah. I think when your when your lineup takes shape and everybody gets healthy, it's, uh, it's, it's dangerous on the back end there. Oh yeah. I mean, the year Dougie was having was unbelievable and like guy just shoots the puck. So it was nice playing with him. I would just give him the puck and let him do his thing. I've always been kind of curious about this. Another topic of much debate, the storm surge. How the hell did this thing start? Yeah, yeah. So it started <laughs> last year. Willie came in, I think, during preseason. Just like, hey, uh, we got to get the fans a little more involved this year. And so obviously we we figured out the skull clap. Uh, and then we're like, all right, well, are we going to do anything after the clap? And then we did the first one where we like went to jump into the wall. And then their initial plan was just to keep that one. But then we're like, oh, that could get boring. And so pre-game meal at the rink there was a table of us it was like me williams uh jordan Stahl, brock mcginn jordan martinuk and we just kind of it's kind of like our table discussion as we eat we're just trying to figure out and it's typically the day of the game we're trying to figure out all right what are we doing tonight we got the clap so the clap is obviously in everyone um but then after that we just we try to figure out 
something new to do. And it's, it's been tough. It's been tough this year to come up with some new fresh ideas. And so we, we've recycled a little bit of them and then, yeah, we're, and it, it's easy. Like when we're like Super Bowl weekend, right. That's a, that's an easy setup. Um, to where we had a Super Bowl themed one, or if it's the World Series one last year, we or like baseball one, we had that one, and basketball during March Madness, those ones are easy. But on the nights where there's nothing like going around, it's uh, those ones are sometimes tough to come up with something. I got a good one. You want to hear mine? Yeah, let's hear it. Get a, get, a, get a garbage can out there and just start banging it, and then someone come out with an Astros jersey. <laughs> <laughs> So how does it all come together? So you're sitting around there at pregame meal and you, you come up with the one I can remember is, is the Holyfield one. So how do you so, get Holyfield in there? So that, that was a, that was a, like, that was game time decision almost actually. Now I think we had something else planned that night and then Holyfield comes in uh, the locker room before the game gives us a speech and our, I think our, our PR guys help out with it a little bit as well. They're like, hey, we got to get Holyfield in this. Uh, and they go in and the buy storm boxing search. gloves. And- yeah, they, oh, they've, they've spent a lot of money through the uh, fine fun on a lot of different stuff. So, <laughs> you know like what? The basketball like, net. And yeah, exactly. That, that you guys can bring this together and what? Oh, I oh. guess you got till 10 o'clock at night. So, like 12 hours. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah and so we, we get the. We get the obviously we have the team group chat, and so we'll send out a text to to the chat and try like trying to explain it the best we got. Like this is the storm surge night. This is what we're doing. Willie was pretty good last year. If like there was a certain lineup we had to do on the ice, he would draw it out, take a picture of it, send it to the chat. <laughs> like there's there's some uh, there's some there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And so that's nice. I, I what I thought I thought it was like the PR doing it and and telling you guys it's cool that you guys actually put. A lot of effort into it and, and yeah yeah we, well th- yeah this year we've had to get the pr a little bit more involved and now they got like the projector where they can shoot stuff on the ice and they want to try to get that involved and so there's a little bit more that goes into it this year um with it and it's we've had uh I, I, we need to just have the canes tweet out something about fan ideas and i think they 100%. already have and I, and I think we got a list of them and so um we're trying to trying to sort through the, the list and because there's a lot a lot of a lot of ideas out there so that's cool i like the original the original thought of you guys sitting around a pregame meal thinking after we win this game tonight what are we what are yeah. we gonna do this <laughs> yeah like, exactly. what are, that, that's some serious confidence eh? like we're after yeah. we dust the oilers in edmonton with mcdavid what are we gonna do to celebrate and throw it in their face i love that part. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and so and there, there'll be some times where we have a certain surge like the sumo wrestling one this year i think we lost two games at home and so we couldn't do it for two games and so we just kind of had it on the back burners and it's like all right once we win, we're we're doing this one, and so there's there's some that get just put on the back burners or put on hold. Now, has it worked? Has the fans? Have you guys get been getting more fans? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think That's you look awesome. at our. I mean, and obviously we've been we were actually we made the playoffs last year. We had a good run last year, and so that obviously brings in fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but my the first my first three years here, like a Tuesday night game, maybe probably less than 10,000 people are going to be there, but we had a Tuesday game against Dallas and it was almost a sold out arena. 
That's awesome. And so I, I definitely think it's engaging the fans. The fans like it. The community is uh, starting to fall back in love with uh, just just the Canes because obviously Raleigh's not the hottest hockey market out there. Um, and so we got we got to work a little bit harder to get the fans in the building. Hey, how does it feel? You guys can both answer this question, but how does it feel to score a hat trick in the NHL? <laughs> <laughs> I've had two two before and had a post, but I've never like not many defensemen get hat tricks. Like, how does it? What does that feel like? I mean, it was again kind of back to the All Star weird. Like, it just it, it's almost something that shouldn't have happened, but it happened, right? <laughs> and uh, so, my mine was against the Islanders. First one, just a floater from the blue line went in. Second one, I got a breakaway on the penalty kill. And I was able to bury that one. And then third one, I just jumped up into play, took a slap shot from like a couple feet inside the blue line, went off the D-man stick and somehow found its way in the net. And so they like, count. exactly. They all, they, count. they all count me and uh, actually me and Folker. Uh, we both had two goals going into the third period for that game. So we looked at each other just like, Hey, first one to get the hat trick wins or something like just a little joke like that. And, uh, and he was just like, all right, yours can't be an empty netter at the end of the game. I was like, all right, fine. Yours can't be on the power play because at the time I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't playing power play and he, he wasn't out there at the end of the game if it was close. And so, um, yeah, it was funny though, but it was, I mean, it was definitely an awesome, awesome thing to experience. And probably the, I think that was the first hat trick I've ever had in my life. Yeah, mine too. When I had my first, my first one was in the NHL. Yeah, that's the way it goes, you too. Like when you get the first one, obviously that's your first hat trick you've ever had. <laughs> That makes no sense at all, Kevin. To me, to me, it does though. In my head, that makes. To, anyways, did you ever score? Did you ever have a hat trick growing up though, Kevin? Or no? Well, like yeah, like four on four men's league in the summer for sure. No, like I was uh, <laughs> growing up. I I was a centerman uh, until I was fifteen, sixteen. So I played uh, forward my whole life. So oh yeah, like, tons of tons of hat tricks then. Bundles of goals. Bundles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, one question here for you. Um, uh, kind of came privy to this information through our mutual agent, Kurt. Uh, you had a really cool story. We had Patty Eves on our show earlier, uh, with a couple months ago, and he and his wife adopted a daughter, sorry, a son from China, Ziggy. You have a pretty cool story yourself. Yeah. So, uh, we adopted our daughter, Emerson. Um, actually she was, she's from North Carolina. Her birth mother lives, uh, in North Carolina. Um, and we actually have an awesome relationship with her, a uh, really open relationship. And we, we've uh, seen her since Emerson's been born. We've seen her probably uh, four or five times. Um, and so it's been really cool just to see how that relationship has grown. Uh, but no, Emerson, I think the craziest part about the story with Emerson is just the timing of her birth. Um, she was born the day after game one last year against Washington. Um, back in North Carolina, so we thought she was, the birth, we thought the birth mother was going to be induced on April 10th, and so we uh, drove to the city where she was going to be born at. Ended up not happening. I flew out to DC the next day, the 11th, and that's obviously was a game one against Washington. And then Friday morning, I'm getting ready to get on the bus to go to practice with the guys, and my wife calls me and says, "Jake, she's coming. Baby's on the way." And so I was like, "Oh man, what's going to happen here?" And she's like, just try to find a way to get back to Charlotte or, uh, yeah, back to Charlotte. And so, um, my owner thankfully was actually still in DC and he, him and his wife were flying back to Dallas. So they just dropped me off on their way. Uh, just made a little pit stop and dropped me off. And then I was able to be there a little bit after the birth. 
I uh, spent all day Friday with them and then flew back Saturday morning to DC, played game two. We landed late uh, the night after uh, game two and then we drove back down um, to the hospital, about a two and a half hour drive. And then Sunday we got discharged from the hospital and game three was on Monday. So it was just kind of crazy, crazy couple days um, running off a lot of adrenaline and dad strength at that point. It was, it was just a crazy experience. That's an amazing story. I'm, uh, it, it's crazy how it all works out like that, right? Where you were able to be there and, and uh, be able to make the playoff games too, which we all know is what we play for, but family always comes first. And, and uh, it's, that's, a, that's a pretty special story. And, and thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot, Jacob. Appreciate it, bud. Good, good luck the rest of the way. Yeah, see you guys. Have a good one. All right, Juice, that's it. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Um, you know, just remind me, remember uh, we talked about that emergency backup. Were you on the team when uh, we had Johan Hedberg? And, uh, no, I wasn't, but Ber- Berkey told me about No, Berkey, the UBC crazy. goalie, but not Hedberg. Yeah, Berkey was telling so me about he, that. So uh, he was on the bench and for the whole game. Alex Ald couldn't get there. He was playing in Manitoba. We had an, an injury in morning skate. Couldn't get there. So Hedberg goes down against Pittsburgh, breaks his hand, and then plays the rest of the game with a broken hand. And Crawford's on the bench like, all right, you got to go in there. You're going to go in there. And you see the guy just turn red. So that's just another story I wanted to bring up. But uh, you guys know where to find us, kessinjuice.com and uh, Twitter, at kessinjuice. And for me, at Ryan underscore Kessler. And uh, for B- BIE, it's uh, at KBXA number three. Same ones, eh? Same ones we've had all Same all one. Lives. You know, I think we're doing a better job on Twitter, like we promised. And uh, we expect you to go and follow Kess and Juice. So go give us a follow on Twitter at KessandJuice.com. Or just Kess, Kess and Juice. We should... Uh, that's all right. We should. You're doing a great job, but we should ask them if there's any guests you recommend or you want to hear from that we feel like kind of asking. Throw throw out some uh, recommendations. We got a long list of, of people we want to talk to, but kind of curious of what are the some of the listeners what they want to listen, who they want to listen to, and what kind of uh, players. Sound good? Yeah, sure. All right. See you, <laughs> see you guys next week. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs>